0: Hello and welcome to the Thriving Abroad podcast, the weekly podcast where I discover through fascinating conversations with people living an international lifestyle and relocation experts what it really takes to thrive abroad. I'm your host Louise Wiles, an expat, repat, author and a change and transition coaching consultant and I'm fascinated by the world of international mobility and cross-cultural living. And a very warm welcome to episode 82 I'm so happy that you're here joining me today. Now this is the fifth in the new series of episodes called Thriving Through Transitions. I have amazing guests lined up, all with fascinating stories to share about their international adventures and what has helped them to ride the waves of transition and thrive in their international lives. To catch up with the other four episodes, go to the Thriving Abroad episode 82 and you'll see links to the others. Now, did you know that I create handy show notes for each episode, containing the key messages, resources, and questions to help you reflect on the subject discussed? You can access the show notes by signing up for the Thriving Abroad Podcast newsletter. As each episode is published, I send a newsletter with links to the show notes for you to download. Today, I'm joined by Megan Norton. Megan is an intercultural training consultant facilitator and researcher focused on supporting cross-cultural families. Megan loves hearing the stories of third culture kids and supporting their journey to their next home. Our conversation today focuses on the experience of third culture kids. If this is a new term to you, don't worry, Megan explains in the first part of our conversation. We talk about the international journey that led Megan to be working in this area. The bittersweet experience of international transitions, the impact COVID has had on the experience of third culture kids and how their international experience has prepared them well to cope with such disruption. Megan also provides tips for parents in supporting teens through transitions and her three top tips for thriving through transitions. A rich conversation, which I found super insightful as the parent of two TCKs. I really hope you enjoy the conversation. So, hi, Megan. Lovely to have
1: you joining the Friday conversation today. How are you? Hi, Louise. Thank you. I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me.
0: So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today, Megan, talking about thriving transitions for teens and young people, I should say, not just teens. And I know this is your area of expertise working with with teens and. Um, And before we get into the conversation about transitions for them, I'd just love to hear a little bit about your story of transition, um, in particular during your teen years. What transitions did you experience and what do you remember most about those times?
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting me uh, frame the conversation and how I, I do this work because of my upbringing. I do say I'm a third culture kid, Uh, I grew up in the US Foreign Service as a diplomat kid. So I grew up in in six different countries. Every two to three years, we moved. So for my teen years, specifically, I transitioned four times four different countries, from Frankfurt, Germany to Tokyo, Japan, and then from Tokyo, Japan to Tel Aviv, Israel, and then from Tel Aviv, Israel to my passport country, the US. For university. So what I remember about my upbringing, of course, it's each transition was different. I was different ages. I was different stages and absolutely different places. Um, So looking back also, I would say, uh, you know, I had the TCK characteristics of adaptability, resourcefulness, connecting, but I also had my own sense of personal identity on the back burner, um, on the back burner. In other words, I was trying to figure out how I fit in vis-a-vis the community, the place, the school, the culture. And in my teen years, I would say I wasn't a, a typical rebellious teen because uh, a teen needs to know the cultural rules before they can test them and I never had enough time in those four countries you know growing up that in my teen <laughs> teen years to master the cultural rules before I could break them
0: <laughs> so that's a, a positive hope for your parents certainly I should think so as well as actually having that transition and having to start again you are having to Understand a different culture, a language. Did you always live, um, did you always go to international schools or were you educated locally in some of the locations?
1: Yes, I went to international schools. And so the language of instruction was in English, but in every international school, we were required to take another language. So I, Mm. you know, was always learning and unlearning languages. Um, And then, of (laughs) course, like picking up. Picking up the language wherever I was locally.
0: Yeah, yeah. And how much of that do you remember now? <laughs> do you have a, do you speak a range of languages or have, have, does what had, did one, the new language subsume the previous one and so on?
1: Yes, yeah, so they feel stacked. Um, you- I feel with, with language learning, um, yeah, like development, I, your brain defaults. I think the theory goes to the, the last language you were learning. So you mm-hmm. have to like filter through, like <laughs> going backwards, I have to filter through, um, which language. So, and and it's funny because sometimes I'll come out with a phrase. If I meet someone who, who speaks a language that, you know, I picked up or, uh, know, studied briefly and they're like, Oh, you speak it. I was like, Nope, that's all I know. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah yeah i can certainly relate to that because when i i worked um before i ever moved abroad i i worked a bit quite a bit in france and i therefore had to learn french and i could speak it reasonably well at that point and then we moved to spain and portugal and my french oh it's gone completely i just feel find it impossible to um I mean, i'm sure if i sat down and revised and you know, really got my brain to think about it it would be there but um Yeah, I can definitely relate to the defaulting to the latest or the last language. Yeah. So um, I know when we're talking about international kids and relocation, often people talk to talk about children who've moved internationally, lived in different countries as third culture kids and then adults who've had that experience, such as yourself, as adult third culture kids. So do you think you could just explain a little bit about what those... The definition is for, for those that those titles and then also i'm really interested to know how knowing that this terminology exists and this body of knowledge exists has helped you
1: yeah absolutely um so third culture kid as kind of a textbook definition used by practitioners. Um, it's a person who has spent their developmental years outside of their passport country or countries. So third culture kids also are military kids, diplomat kids, missionary kids, kids of international school educators. Um, and so the, the the term is third culture kid. Um, adult third culture kid is third culture kid over 21 (laughs) i would say or um which is different from a tca or a third culture adult who is someone who has grown up in one place or um, one location or inside their passport country and as an adult has gone abroad so tca is not an adult TCK, Um, and there's been a long preamble of how these definitions are used, um, either by practitioners or researchers, and an emerging term that's more inclusive and like the umbrella term is a cross-cultural kid. And that really uh, encompasses anyone who has had some sort of cross-cultural upbringing in their childhood. Um, So I, I really appreciate that term too, because, it, the the people who identify as a cross cultural kid, um, they they've had similar experiences of transition, of grief, of loss, of complexity, and so um, I I would say yeah TCK has been like this one term used by like diplomat, military, missionary, but mm. if we look at broader contexts, CCK um, is a new term that I think is more inclusive. Okay, I'm not a third culture kid, but
0: actually it's quite nice to know I'm a third culture adult, so that, <laughs> that I hadn't, I didn't realize that, so that's, that's, um, yeah, it, it kind of gives you an, a, an element of an identity, doesn't it, and something to explain your experience. Um, how,
1: how has it helped you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I learned the term in high school and I wish I had learned about it sooner um, or that even I would have learned about the profile better because I think it would have helped me transition or adjust better into my passport country, into university. So TCKs have some profile characteristics that many have written about, right? We have Misunderstood by Tanya Crossman. We have um, Arrivals, Departures and Adventures in Between by Chris O'Shaughnessy. We have the Third Culture Kid book by Ruth Van Reeken, David Pollock, Michael Pollock, And like most recently, um, there was a book published by Lauren Wells about raising a healthy generation of TCKs. So I think that there are more resources There, there. even the emergence of social media, I think there's more opportunity and exposure of the term, um, mm-hmm. and with that, there's more access to understand what the complexity of the profile is. Now, I don't, I don't like to say when I work with teens, when I work with families, when I work with TCKs. I don't say TCK is an identity. I like to say it's a profile because we each, even though we are, you know, TCKs or we've grown up abroad, each one of us have our own personal identity of who we are. So it's our passion, skills, hobbies, community, family, interests, you know, et cetera, that uh, develops who we are as a person and our emotional connections are going to be different. Um, so, for TCKs, I think where they are known or where they feel safe or where they matter, where they feel conf- confident and competent can be a little bit more complex than perhaps a monocultural or person or someone who has lived in one location their entire life. So just understanding um, that complexity, mm-hmm. uh, I think, gives some relief and some room to breathe mm-hmm. that I'm not weird or I'm not strange or I'm not terminally unique. I am complex
0: mm i like that definitely and that um and i know one of the sort of aspects of the TCK tck experience that's often talked about is the the challenge of of leaving and the sadness or grief however people want to name it of of that experience as you leave behind you know places and people that you you know and, and love and i think that's been one of the positives, hasn't it? That's come out of this work that people have, have recognized that there is that element of loss associated with these kind of transitions.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's mm. definitely uh, paradoxical. It's the both mm. and of, of the fear and anger and sadness, sometimes guilt, bitterness, tension of, of leaving, right? All of those associated with change and transition and loss and, and there's also the happiness and anticipation, gratitude and appreciation for this kind of upbringing, this kind of approach. Mm-hmm. So it's the both and.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And and um. So I think I think
0: that sense of, sort of endings and new beginnings and the sort of liminal space and the loss in between is is common to all kinds of different transitions and. And I, I was just thinking that, you know, for teens in normal times, this kind of teenage age, as you move from one ed- educational level to the next, or perhaps moving on to, you know, higher education university or some other form um, choosing to do do something else. Teenagers experience a lot of transitions, but then when they're also living internationally, that is, is, is an additional dimension to add in. And then, and then of course, there's the, transition of just growing up generally (laughs) relationships probably go through various transitions as well and then I think this past year has really added a new challenge and dimension to the concept of transition for everyone but particularly for teens and young people Um, certainly sitting here watching kids um teens you know making choices about university going not going and you know all that kind of uncertainty has added a whole new challenge I think to the experience and I just wondered what, what you've observed um because we should have said as I'm talking to you you're, you're sitting in the United States and I'm in the UK so what have you observed about how teens have been challenged in this past past year as a result mm-hmm. of the pandemic and everything else that's been going on?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been, it's it's a heavy question. Um, And like you said, teenage years, it's this in-between stage of this nexus between childhood and emerging adulthood. And it's this feeling of exploration of self-focus, a feeling in between. So even for a TCK, it's an in-between age and an in-between identity. It's that liminal space you're talking about. And what I have observed is there are so many challenges and upheavals um, academically, relationally, mentally, physically, emotionally. There's just this loss of lifestyle. There's this loss of um, resilience um, strategies, coping strategies that worked pre-COVID And so, you know, teens have had such an awkward load to bear in the virtual world that uh, I think that there are so many ambiguous losses to what their strategies are, um, what have they lost relationally, um, physically, emotionally. And so uh, what I'm seeing is the challenge of how do you name that? How do you acknowledge that? Because teens are feeling so upside down and giving them the permission and invitation to acknowledge, to affirm, to validate. um, Those are challenges I am seeing. What I thought um, was going to be a challenge was the social isolation. Um, And I think social isolation was more of a challenge for university students who became Uh, became displaced, honestly, Um, some who had to leave their residence halls, some who had to stay with community members instead of being able to go back to their parents in another country. So I was concerned um, for, you know, the communities I work with, maybe the social social isolation would filter down into teens. But Mm -hmm. what I found is that they're so connected on TikTok, on Instagram, on Snapchat, that I don't think that teens these days have resigned themselves to the belief that no one will understand them I think they've really rallied together in really creative ways to um, share their experiences and so there hasn't been isolation maybe loneliness but I I definitely don't think isolation has been a factor Mm, that's really interesting and I can see how that's the case just thinking about
0: my kids and how they use social media yes <laughs> in fact before we recorded it so i was just saying my daughter was is doing online school and she is sitting there with her computer but then also with her laptop her ipad and and doing class with her friends on stream as well on another device <laughs> yes
1: <laughs>
0: i don't know the teachers know this is happening but i know at least they are feeling that they can connect and i think that is is really really important um, absolutely
1: Yes, I I have a cousin briefly, I wanted to mention, I hope I don't get him in trouble. I have a cousin, he's in um, early, early teens in California, Mm. and I'll see him on Instagram. I'm like, aren't you supposed to be in school? Like, I see you're active. (laughs) So, but it's just neat, even in that way, you know, across country, I, I don't live in California, but to be able to touch base with my younger cousins and say, are you Okay.
0: So it's make, you're making me think there that I should be on Instagram.
1: <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Need to keep with it so I can make this, that connection <laughs> The flip side, it's hard to discipline yourself. It's a it's a dark hole. You know, just yeah, like yeah, is, a rabbit hole. Is,
0: yeah, and actually that is the flip side I suppose for teens yes. as well. Because on the one yes. hand, you know, there's a benefit, and obviously the downside is that it becomes addictive. I can see how that you know that dopamine hit that you know everyone talks about as you are you know connecting it becomes an addictive thing yes. um, and, and needs to be managed um, I love your description of feeling upside down and um, as, as an explanation for how how teens perhaps are feeling at the moment as a parent I'm really interested to understand how I can support my my teams and how other parents who are listening could support their teams in the best way you know at the moment you know it can be sometimes difficult to engage teams Mm. (laughs) and really find out what's going on in their minds so what suggestions do you have in that respect
1: Mm, yeah it's a it's a good question and I I don't like to be prescriptive because every family culture, every family dynamic is different and mm. also to acknowledge that this is difficult work you're dealing with heavy topics like loss, grief, change, ambiguity and fundamentally and foundationally the well-being of any human being is it, it involves their emotional, physical, spiritual, mental, and social compositions. Every mm. human being um, wants to be loved, seen, heard, respected, and understood. And I think that can be um, hard to do, understand, and unpack and uh, approach for teens because, like <laughs> you said, they're <laughs> complex creatures. Um, but one way is to contextualize for your family what does. What does love look like? What does kindness look like? And how do you communicate that they are not expected to be resilient? I think that teens really need to understand and that they have the time and permission and invitation to grieve. Um, I think this looks like comforting, not encouraging. So, uh, you know, to use the phrase like, at least when, when, at least you have this, or at least you have that. That's not really um, comforting. Like you're minimizing some pain and some hurts. You're not validating, validating or affirming what they're feeling at the time. If you're saying at least um, you're trying to move them into a place of encouragement and not comfort. So I think providing that emotional freedom is, is really key. I also think that demonstrating and showing emotions yourself as a parent is also good modeling. That to affirm and validate, like, yes, this is tough, or I'm not okay right now, but I will be okay. And and even if you lose a temper or if you said something out of frustration, um, if I would say if your family culture is not one that involves the words, I'm sorry, please forgive me. That's okay. I think also there are other words and synonyms that can convey the same meaning. Like, I need a do-over, I messed up, um, are other phrases to use that communicate that same sort of, I want to reconcile. I think it's so important for family units in this time to to be so vulnerable with each other, um, it, there are so many stresses, and internal and external. Everyone is battling, and it goes back to what is the human need. We need to feel loved and secure, and validated and valued. So, um, you know, being that comforter, listener, cheerleader, I think those are some key key things to to kind of keep in mind. Yes,
0: I think that's a really Great. Thank you very much for sharing this. I think it gives some lovely insight and I love the, the focus on on comfort um, and and listening. And I think for parents, sometimes that's a challenge because perhaps we can see what's not happening <laughs> and we want to direct. And absolutely, that's not the right thing to do often. Um, and really, we'd be best to ask the question, sit back and listen and, and see what comes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I... I I can relate to that and I can also feel myself going oops <laughs> when I have done a few of those you know um encouraging rather than comforting it's one that I suddenly as you said it I thought oh yes no I know where I've occasionally done that and known it wasn't right actually so yeah and it's really.
1: hard work and that's the thing it's 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 so hard like and um finding that balance of challenging and supporting with developing Mm -hmm. their autonomy, developing their competence with choice and with responsibilities. I think this is an added factor in the family unit. Um, How do you let them uh, know their boundaries, test their boundaries? Um, You know, it's just, it looks so much different with stay at home orders with lockdown, (laughs) like how, how can teens really exercise that? No, you're right. They're missing out on that kind of aspect
0: of growing up, I think, and, and, and learning uh, without a doubt. In fact, I was looking at with my daughter. We were looking, I was just sitting talking to her in the bedroom and she has a whole load of pictures up on the wall, you know, photos, the kind of things You know, from festival last summer and friends parties and so on. And I suddenly said to her, you know, those are all 18 months, two years ago. That really shocked me. I suddenly realised, you know, last year none of those events happened. You know, in the normal times, those photos would have been replaced with last year's festival, last year's birthday parties, last year's everything's, and they haven't been. And that was quite. Um, that really hit me. Yeah, <laughs> that really made me think. Wow, what they they they've all coped with um
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: tough I mean everyone yes. everyone not just teens but particularly I think challenging for them because it's so important for their social development um and and just learning about mm-hmm. life um so you know this is all about coping with this transition and the wave of transitions that I come that come with this this challenging time and just thinking back to the beginning of the conversation when you were talking about the characteristics that you you know you have because of your mobile lifestyle and I just wonder are there aspects of the international experience and the skills and talents and uh, that you develop through that experience that you think are particularly helpful for teens as, as they cope with the current challenges of covid pandemic and so on
1: yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think, I think transition for anybody, everyone, everyone in life is going to experience some sort of transition in different life stages, and some we just have to muddle through the messy middle. It's it's always chaotic because you're losing um, your routine, your rhythm, your sense of resiliency, and and knowing. So, um, I think about for third culture kids, for cross-cultural kids, for anyone who has um, navigated the in-betweenness, they um, they they might have that sense of confidence like, okay, I've, I've done this and I can do it again because I know that I've been through transition. I've walked through ambiguity and I know that it's good and bad. I think um, that being acquainted with that kind of grief will help anybody going through transition to to say, I need to move through these stages. Um, again, hard work. And I don't think grief is linear. Uh, I think it can be triggered. It's like, and it just mm. can, yeah, like you said, looking at the photos, it can just come up unexpectedly. Um, what I think um, sometimes TCKs um, have learned is to have this awareness of, I am not in my comfort zone. If we think about the the growth mindset model of comfort, growth, panic in concentric circles, in the comfort zone, you you know how to cope, Um, you feel settled, you feel known, you feel competent, you have significance and meaning and purpose. In the growth zone, I think you uh, I mean, teens are always growing academically, um, socially, and testing those those growth areas. Mm-hmm. Um, now, panic. This is where I think everyone experienced last year in 2020 with COVID. Everyone panicked because. Normalcy is not normalcy anymore. There was nothing normal. We had to relearn everything, how to redo everything. Um, and what I think TCKs have done, they've had the skill set because they've walked through transition before. They know how to get back into the comfort zone quicker than people who have not had that kind of experience. And I'm afraid that people have normalized panic and like this sense of angst of what's next what's going to happen um whereas if you have the awareness and curiosity and adaptability and ability to get yourself back into the comfort zone i think you're you're yeah more equipped and and healthier to move through life
0: wow that's a really great model (laughs) Me just thinking about where we are in the uk as we head into another lockdown indeterminate lockdown and 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 just thinking about yeah how people have been behaving and it has been around panic and and I I can totally relate to that. So I think the last last lockdown I felt myself adapting and 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 drawing on on the skills from having moved around often and knowing that yes with change comes transition, but eventually it will settle. Um, and I think that's talking to the same point about finding that point of com- com- comfort and just having that knowledge that 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 will happen. We will settle into it. It may not be exactly what we want <laughs> yes. um, or anywhere near what we want, but we will settle for now and cope with it and there, and find comfort there as well. So I love that model. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so finally, quick fire question here looking forward and thinking about future transitions knowing that as as teens who have relocated and lived internationally we have all these wonderful um skills and this knowledge and insight Um, what would be your three top tips for thriving through transition
1: Mm, yeah (laughs) i I have like a thousand page notes on this (laughs) what would be the top three um you know, I would, I would say like giving grace to yourself that knowing that transition, again, there's a messy middle to it. You have to muddle. There's complicating and complex factors to it. Um, So transition change is inevitable, but growth is optional and choose, choose to pay attention to your mindsets and intentions um, I sometimes suggest to teens write out some mantras with really proactive verbs like "I will, I choose, I am, I have, I feel to heighten that self-awareness of where they belong, their identity, and their their own judgments and assumptions and intentions for for themselves. Um, again, holistically, if we're looking at our well-being, you're also looking at, what your body needs, um, what does your body need in transition and giving grace to where, where it needs more support. Um, maybe you need more sugar, maybe you need more water, really paying attention to that. So, um, these are not really clear cut. It's just like suggestions, um, for mindset also finding out what, what centers and grounds you. Um, I think what, again, in the panic zone, you're focusing on what you can't control to get back to the comfort zone. You're looking at what you can control. And sometimes that can be as simple as, uh, getting yourself a cup of tea, holding it, feeling the warmth, feeling the mindfulness of how it is soothing you and grounding you to where you are in the present. Um, and I think all of this is really key for teenagers and young adults. I work also with university students because they're cultivating personal leadership. Um, they're negotiating how to become autonomous as an emerging adult. And so learning how their daily decisions are making their life will give them more understanding about, you know, how to control your thoughts. Are your thoughts accurate? Are they um, right? Are they um, good? And are they, um, you know, not to, not to let them consume you? Um, Are they, are they true? Um, Because, you know, teenagers, like all humans, they, they need that purpose, significance, and meaning in their life. So, uh, looking at their own personal leadership development is so key, um, in how they, they take control of themselves and also how are they a part of a larger story? How are they embedded in community? How are they part of the larger world system? So, uh, again, hard work, don't, don't do it all in one afternoon, like, but just finding <laughs> those points of like, oh, I am alive. I'm here. I'm present. And, um, that's, that's good. That's a good starting point.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. And I, I love, I love the messy middle. I always say about change, change is a mixture of messy, mess, mess and magic. <laughs> there oh, can be magic, that. but there can also be mess. Yes. Yeah. And I think your point earlier, but also I guess you, you know, part of what you're talking about there feeds into it as well, this whole concept of resilience and the fact that, you know, it's not about being strong. Um, it's also, you know, things ebb and flow. Highs and lows, ups and downs and um, yeah, looking for what you can control um, is, is really important at those, in those points. So thank you so much, Megan. I think you've given us some really great insights there. I have this sense that there is so much more you could share with us, but we're going to have to bring the conversation to a close. Um, yes. If people want to find more about you and your business, how can they sort of connect with you? Where can you send them to learn more?
1: Mm, thank you, Louise. Yes, I have so enjoyed speaking with you. Um, it's my morning, your afternoon, and mm-hmm. I love our intersecting um, communities and social circles online. I just, uh, I, I love talking to you. So thank you for this opportunity to be on your podcast. Um, for, for me, I, my website is adultthirdculturekid.com. And there I put writings. I also am a podcaster and I put my show episodes. It's called a culture story. So you can find it there. Um, Professionally, work that I I find meaningful and that grounds me is being an educator. I'm a trainer and consultant. And so one of the nonprofits that um, I work with is Intercultural Transitions, that's a, a nonprofit that I co-founded, and we do workshops and trainings. Mm-hmm. So you can find that at interculturaltransitions.org. Um, and I also contract with with an organization called Mukapa International. This is a faith-based organization that helps TCKs um, thrive at university. So. If you yeah, have young people going to university, um, we're, we're U.S. based. Um, we're, we're looking at developing a virtual chapter um, because of what COVID-19 has done to our world. So we'll see about that. But um, those are places that you can find me. And I, I love to develop programming and workshops for teens and TCKs.
0: Fantastic. And so and I, I would also second, I know you're, I think it's on your adult third culture kid, you have some really great blog posts there. I was having a read through some of them recently. Um, and so I, I recommend people go and take a look and a read of those because um, you have so much insight to share and they're definitely <laughs> demonstrating that well worth a read. So thank you so much, Megan. Really lovely to speak to you and thank you so much for your time today. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you found great value in this conversation and a huge thank you to Megan for her insights and advice. For me, my biggest takeaway as a parent was to work on comforting rather than encouraging. Yeah, I know there is probably a time and a place for both strategies and the experience of the pandemic has definitely encouraged me to think about how I use both. It's also good to know that the transition experience, third cultures kids' experience can support them to adjust back to comfort in times of disruption. Remember, the show notes with a summary of key messages and some reflection questions drawn from this podcast conversation are available to subscribers of the Thriving Abroad newsletter. So go to the blog post at www.thrivingabroad.com, look for episode 82, and you'll see the button to sign up for the newsletter. So go and register now, and I'll be in touch with those show notes. I'll be back soon with the next Thriving Abroad conversation, when I'll be speaking to Kani asted Hansen and Paul van about their newly published book, Here We Are, the International Career Couple Handbook. That is a truly great conversation, and I really look forward to sharing it with you. Meanwhile, stay safe and well, wherever you are in the world. Until next time, bye-bye for now.